I like to provide a word, like one single word. And um, I like to provide a scripture. Today we're dealing with two scriptures, one from the Old Testament, one from the New. And I like to uh, provide a fruit, something that you can feast on. And at the end, possibly a revelation, we pray that God opens your heart to reveal unto you a word. We, we don't so much explain the word of God, but we ask God to reveal a word because this word is living. The Bible is living. It's just not like a regular book. It's a living organism that it can be accepted and engrafted into our heart, and then it can provide fruit. Amen? So our word for today is adroit. Adroit. Adroit is a, a clever or skillful in using the hands or mind. It's agility and also dexterous, industrious. It's a little bit more than pliable, flexible. You know, it's good to be flexible. Um, you know, when things change, it's good to be flexible, but being adroit, adroit is um, a little bit more to it. It's, it's, it's being able to um, make changes on the drop of a dime with your mind and using the, the resources that you have to uh, make a way of escape. Amen? So, um, to excel in any environment, we need God. You can drop a man of God or a woman of God in a hostile place. It could be a desert or anywhere. Come back a year or two later, they got it really going on. Because God has a way of making a way for you to prosper. And if you follow his principles, you can't lose. Amen? And you, uh, just like John, 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 the apostle John, they placed him, they tried to kill him. They put him in a pot of boiling oil. He wouldn't die. And they just placed him on a barren island. It's called Patmos, Patmos Island. It had uh, maybe lizards there. It was desert. Everything was barren. They said, well, he can't survive on this island. They put him on that island sailed off. Maybe a year or two later, they came back, and he had the book of Revelation in his hand. So wherever you put a person of God, they're going to prosper. They're going to make a way. They're going to make a way for something to happen. Look what they did with um, the African-Americans with the slavery incident. All this harsh treatment, put them in the fields, and then they started to call on the name of the Lord. And don't you know he listened to them and heard their cry? And now we're uh, doing better than we were a long time ago. Amen? Amen. So the world is no match for the blood of Jesus. The flesh is no match for the blood of Jesus. And the world, the, um, the devil, is no match for the blood of Jesus. Um, our Old Testament scripture today will be coming from Numbers 24, verses 4 through 9. That's our main scripture. However, uh, I just want to look at um, Matthew in the New Testament um, briefly first. That's Matthew 13, verses 24 and 26. And this is talking about the wheat and the tear. The wheat and the tear. Okay, Matthew 24, verses 4 through 9. Okay, the wheat and the tear is a parable. And um, a parable 
des describing two types of germination or seed. There's, an there's no intrinsic value to a tear, but there's intrinsic value for a, chair, a tear concerning the wheat. Okay, the wheat is the fruit. And that's the, the, the fruit that I'd like to leave you with today is produce. Produce. Produce is defined as anything, like you go to this produce section in the supermarket, uh, they have um, a variety of things you can choose from. It's a whole section, produce. So that's our word for today as far as our fruit. Our, our word, our main word is adroit, being agile of mind and the spirit and of hand. Amen? Matthew 13, verse 24 through 26 reads, Another parable put he forth unto them, saying, The kingdom of heaven is likened unto a man which soweth good seed in the field. But while men slept, his enemy came and sowed tares among the wheat, and went his way. And, and when the blade has, was sprung up and brought forth fruit, then appeared the tares also. Amen? Okay, we're, we're dealing with produce. God sows good seed. Amen? In 1925, there was a trial. It was called, it took place in Dayton, Tennessee. It was called the Scopes Trial, or AKA the Monkey Trial. This was a trial that drew national t attention. Mr. Scopes, he was a high school teacher, and he decided to teach evolution in his class. Okay, the state of Tennessee, and also most states at that time, taught creation in their schools. That was the law of the land, especially in the South, in the Bible Belt. You had creation was the law of the land. This man, Mr. Scopes, he decided to, to teach evolution. This He broke the law in doing so, and he was fined. But this case caught national attention, and it drew the great minds, legal minds of that time to, to Dayton, Tennessee. One of the legal minds was William Jennings Bryan. He fought, he was on the side of the state. Um, he argued that creation was, was actually reality and factual. However, Clarence Darrow fought against creation in saying that evolution was uh, plausible. Amen? I'm not saying amen to that, but amen, so be it. <laughs> Amen. So, um, there's a fundamentalist view, which was a Christian view, versus modern view. So, this was, the law of the land was every school taught a Bible in their classes. It was, it was just common back then. Okay, so the enemy came along and sowed a tear. Now remember, a tear has no intrinsic value in itself. A tear just comes to oppose the, the good. It doesn't have rhyme or reason. It doesn't have a reason why to do it. It just wants to oppose. Don't you know sometimes people are in your life just to oppose you, just to block you? They don't do it for a reason. They just do it so that, just to hold you back. And that's the that's a position of a tear. We talked about everyone has their job. We said a man has his job, 
in Genesis, a man's job was to dress and to keep. Okay, a woman's job was to dress and keep to assist a man also. You know, Satan has a job to steal, kill, and destroy. And uh, the world has a job to lead you on the, the wrong path and to put fear in your heart. So everybody has a job. Now we see the tares. The tares' job is, was sown by Satan. Satan sows tares, or Satan has people that he uses to throw you off course. And we need to recognize that that is happening. Sometimes when you're trying to do good, uh, bad just come. Just like we heard testimonies, bad just come, bad just come. Why did it come? Evil has no rhyme or reason. It doesn't have a rhyme or reason. Amen? So um, the dynamics of the tear is they just do it because they want to. And even though evolution is a far-fetched theory, and if you think about it, they, they were arguing um, the, the origin of species. Okay, the origin of species was a, uh, a theory postulated by Charles Darwin that said that man was evolved from apes and that we came through millions of years and became who we are and started to live. Well, this is far-fetched. This is not true. This is exact opposed to what the Word of God says. And that's maybe the second biggest lie told in the last 200 years. And that's a lot of, that, that lie itself has a lot of different offsprings. Okay, that lie is what you call a watershed lie. A watershed thing is something that's big, but it got a lot of little tentacles on it. So what we need to do is destroy that lie, and that lie absolutely changed the school system. Because through, through, through that lie, every school in America was teaching creation, and through that one lie, it just gave the enemy a little space. He sold a tear in Mr. Scopes to just, I'm going to teach evolution one day. And then it just blew up, and now, and um, maybe 25 years later, evolution was in all the school books. And it was a lie from the start. That's how the enemy works. He starts with one little lie using one person, one tear. Amen? Now, the tear isn't the devil. The tear is an agent of the, of the devil. Amen? And I said that's the second biggest lie. So you wonder, what was the first? I think the first biggest lie that Satan told man was that he won't exist. Okay, now, if the devil is not real, that means, it makes you question, is God real? And if the devil's not real, that means hell is not real. So it's logical. If the devil's not real, then hell's not real, then you can live and do what you want. But who know the Bible said that hell was created, a place for Satan in his last days. That's where he's going to spend his future, in hell. It was created for the devil. It wasn't created for mankind. Okay? We got thrown off course. Now, if we live the life as a devil, then we're going to take the same route. We're going to follow him to hell. And we don't want to do that. Amen? Amen. We, we want to be good seen. We don't want to work for the devil. Sometimes we need to question our motives, especially dealing with other people. 
Okay, we want to we want to make sure that we're not working for the enemy. Amen. Amen. So we know that evolution does occur. It doesn't occur. It does occur in nature. We have a species, and it doesn't adapt to the environment. Remember, our word is adroit. It doesn't adapt normally. Then that species has a tendency to be deleted from the gene pool. However, they took it another step and said that we were apes. We were created by apes. And don't you know, some people still believe that today. People believe that going to their grave, going to see God, that they came from apes. And one of the foundational things why people believe that is because creation teaches that man started from two human beings, Adam and Eve. Some people cannot receive that. They want to say, oh, we started over here, the Cro-Magnum man, the Proto-Magnum man, this man, the Piltdown man. They want to say they started somewhere else because they want to say that people want to believe that they are superior. But the Bible teaches that we are all of one flesh. Everybody. And I'll say the biggest lie in the last thousand years was the lie of racism. Now that is a super watershed lie. And King himself said that the, the most divided place on Sunday morning, Saturday place is the church. And he died 53 years ago. And don't you know that still remains true to this day? We need to come together. And it takes something other than uh, what the world says, politics. It takes the blood of Jesus to bring us together as one. I'm not a prejudice man. I don't teach that. I believe that we came from one flesh. But some people can't accept the fact that they came from Adam and Eve. They got to say they came from somewhere else. Amen? But we know that evolution occurs in nature, but we, we have to dismiss that lie. Amen? So fruit is the ability to produce and the ability to adapt to a particular adroitness of a species become, becomes essential to its livelihood. So we need to adapt to situations. We need to adapt in our communities. We need to adapt on our jobs. Everywhere we go, we need to adapt, okay? okay. And uh, if I would title this message, I know it's kind of late. I got to start, I would, I, I would title this, Don't Be Found on the Wrong Side of History. Don't be found on the wrong side of history. And don't you know that history teaches that, that racists are always found on the wrong side of history? You, can, you, can't, you can't show me one racist in history that has a positive, that people look at them, view them positive, in a positive light. Think about it. Any racist in history doesn't have a, a good, uh, um, isn't viewed in a good way to us today. Because it is the lie of the, of the millennium. That's what I like to call it. Amen. So we did say we had two scriptures to deal with today. Come on in. God bless you. God bless you. Come on in. Amen. Good to see you. So we're talking about um, adroitness and the fruit is to produce. Amen. So last week we approached the mountain of God with Moses 
And um, we found that God uh, used Moses to deliver his people. We call, he was called as a spokesman, and he was called to elevate the people out of a situation that was inconducive of their life. They began to call upon the Lord. Amen? So Moses, he was born in um, a situation where he was raised in, royal, in a royal setting. And his character, he, he, he was raised in a royal setting, so he knew of, of royal things. However, he did end up on the backside of the desert. And Moses, how he ended up there is, I don't want to go into the story, but he tried to defend one of his countrymen. He was a, he was a Hebrew, however, he was living as an Egyptian, and he saw one of the Egyptians being tormented. Uh, he saw one of the Hebrews being tormented by an Egyptian, so he came to the aid of a Hebrew even though he was living as an Egyptian. When he came to the aid of a Hebrew, he was then um, he, he killed an Egyptian. And when he killed the Egyptian, that caused a problem for him because they believed in an eye for an eye. So even though he was a prince in Egypt, he was subject to the laws. Even though he was a prince in Egypt, he still had to suffer consequences. It's not like in society today where because of your name, you've got money, you can get off the hook in the legal system. No, he was subject to be persecuted even though he was living as Pharaoh's son. So he had to escape. Don't you know that Moses had a mentality in him where if he saw something wrong, he's going to ride with you. You know, sometimes you want to ride with somebody and you've got a strong spirit to be loyal. You know, some people are just loyal, you know. And sometimes people are not loyal back. But that doesn't change your loyalty because that's your makeup. That's your DNA. You're just a loyal person. Okay? But everybody is not, aren't, is not like you. So you have to realize that when, when you're doing stuff in life, you got to realize that God has got his hand in your life. And you got to watch what you do. Because those same people that he tried to protect went and told them. Amen. So he stayed, he did this around the age of 40. So when he left Egypt, he went to the backside of the desert. The backside of the desert is a place they call um, Horeb, over in the area of Midian. Midian, very hot, humid place. Um, um, cactus, not as com comfortable as the Nile. So he, he, he was a shepherd in that area for nearly 40 years until he had an encounter with God. Amen? Okay, so God is good. Somebody say God is good. So uh, we're just going to read the scripture Numbers 21 verses 4 through 9. We're going to find that you know, Moses was, um, why are you getting that? Moses was, he was chosen to lead, lead the people out. He was God's anointed vessel. 
and his adroitness in leading people out of Egypt to the promised land was key to his success, his flexibility. He also had a background of being in the desert for 40 years, so he knew the terrain. He had got used to the humidity. God called him to lead his people out of bondage. Verse 4 reads, And they journeyed from Mount Hor by the way of the Red Sea to compass the land of Edom, and the soul of the people was much discouraged because of the way. Amen. So these, this is, they're on the, um, they're still in, they're not in the promised land yet. They're still on the same side of the Jordan. Okay, so they're leaving, leaving Egypt. Egypt was a comfortable place. Even though they were slaves, they had a lot of different um, creature comforts there. So they followed Moses into the desert, and it's a new environment. So you're following this man into the desert, and he's telling you, we're going to have our own country, we're going to have our own laws, we're going to worship God, we're going to be good to go and everything. But yet, they're, they're feeling uncomfortable right now because they're they, they in hot weather, and, but they needed to adapt because God was leading Moses, so they need to follow him. Amen? So the word Hebrew itself means cross over. And Jordan actually is a form of baptism. So they haven't been baptized yet. Don't you know when you live in, in a projects or sleeping on the floor and somebody telling you, man, things going to be great. You keep doing this. You keep going to work. Keep working up, waking up 5 o'clock. See, it's, it's, it's hard to follow somebody when you've got lack. But if you keep moving in that direction, you're going to cross over and you're going to reach the promised land. Amen? So this was the situation the children of Israel in. They, they just left. They was at lack. And, and at this point, um, Aaron was dead. Moses' brother. Okay? Aaron, he, he, his character, you know, Aaron was a progenitor to the Levites. He was the father of the tribe of Levi. He, he was a priest. He was the man who spoke. Um, he, had, he was more eloquent than Moses. However, his inability to adapt caused him not to reach the promised land. He, when Moses came down from the mountain, he made they were partying and stuff. It, was, it wasn't a sound of praise. Don't you know that partying, music, it's the same thing back then today. It's a different sound than worship. And they heard a lot of noise. They heard, they, you know, usually when noise going on, the children of Israel thought it would, would be praise. But Moses coming down with the Ten Commandments from off the mountain, and he hearing all this noise, and he's telling Joshua, don't, don't sound like they're praising God down there, uh, Moses. And, and, and he got a little bit further down there, and he see a calf, right? And they're worshiping and dancing around the calf. And Moses got mad, and you know, he, threw down those, he threw down those tablets and broke the Ten Commandments that God carved with his finger. And don't you know, when he went to Aaron, Aaron said, uh, the people made me do it. You know, the people, he had a lot of excuses. So that tells us today that we need to not 
rests on what people say. This is one of my movies I like is The, the Godfather, but he got a quote in that movie. It says, if you build your, your if you build your hope on people, you build your hope on sand. And that's something like scripture too. You don't build your hope on people. You build your hope on God. You build your hope on the word of God. And you stand on the word of God. Because people are flexible, they're changeable. They one way one minute, then they one way the next. That's why the testimony is so powerful that we keep our testimony the same. Amen? So Aaron died, and um, and the people, okay, verse 5, and the people spake against God and against Moses, wherefore have you brought us up out of Egypt to die in the wilderness, for there is no bread, neither is there any water, and our soul loathed this light bread. Okay, all the things God did for them, open the Red Sea, man in the desert, uh, manna from heaven, a, a, a pillar of fire by night, a cloud in the day, and guess what? They complain. Why are they complaining? Because of their stomach. They hungry. Why are they complaining? Because they thirsty. Why are they complaining? Because they're hot. Now, they complaining to the leader. Now, the leader already been in the desert for 40 years, so he kind of used to these changes. He can go three days without water with no problem. That's Moses. He, you know, he lived in Midian for all those years. They coming out, they complain. Amen. So, you know how you can tell you're on the wrong course? Church. You can tell you're on the wrong church course is when your God is your belly. And when your belly is your God. Because when your God is your belly, then you're being led by, by food. So, the solution to this is fasting. That's one of the weapons that we have, our testimony, the blood of Jesus, fasting, and prayer. So it's easy to fall into that trap. When you fall into that trap and feel like you're eating too much water, go on the day fast. Go, go half a day, just fast. It's the point, amen? So they still complaining, despite the provisions that God laid out. Verse six, and the Lord sent fiery serpents among the people and they bit the people and much of Israel died. It says the Lord sent fiery serpents but if you look into that, their mouth did. Sometimes say, why would God some people say, why would God do this because of that? Why would God why would God make a world what? But you gotta look deeply into it. Sometimes your mouth gets you in trouble. It says they complained, they spoke out against God. So when you speak out against God, what you're doing is removing the hedge of protection around your life. You're giving access for the enemy to come in. So even the man of God, they spoke against God and against Moses. That's one of the most dangerous things you can do because a man is a flesh and blood being just like you. And a leader may be doing something and God told that leader to do it and you're fighting that leader, but you're not fighting the leader, you're fighting God. So that's a very dangerous place to be in. Because if God told you to do something, you go in there and do it, and somebody come and hit you on the head or something, then that person is in a dangerous spot. They might laugh, they might get joy. But don't you, don't you know when the Bible says, when the, the kids laughed at the prophet, laugh at him, call him 
Ballhead. It was Elijah. They called him Ballhead. Laughing at him. And what happened? It says some she bears came out the woods and tore them. Tear. The same word. T A R E. Tear them. It didn't say that they killed them. It didn't say that they chopped their neck off. It said they tore the kids. So they probably still live, but they've all scratched up their whole life as a testimony. Don't touch the man of God. Amen? So, and the Lord sent fiery serpents, verse 6, among the people, and they bit the people, and much of Israel died. Your mouth can remove the hedge of protection, especially speaking against the people. Now, seraph means fiery, so they were poisonous. That's how they died, refers to the snake bite. Now, um, this was the mortal enemy of man. You can see that in Genesis 3.15, where God said he would put enmity against your seed and against his seed. And, and the, his seed was the seed of the serpent. And, and her seed was Jesus and us, the children of God. Amen? So, verse 7 reads, Therefore the people came to Moses and said, We have sinned, for we have spoken against the Lord and against thee. Pray unto the Lord that he take away the serpents from us. And Moses prayed for the people. Two things get, get people attention. Two things are found. One is miracles. The other is death. Everything shuts down on those two things. It gets your attention toward God's consciousness. Um, when you're at a funeral, for instance, it's a good time to tell somebody about the gospel because their heart is softened at that time. But a lot of times people get the word in these types of environments, um, in miracle environments, when something happened for them, they get delivered, but then they tend to drift back to the old ways. So what you need to do really is to change. Be adaptable. If God wants to lead you into another environment and he wants to lead you away from where you've been, Joy. You need to be a joy of mind, spirit, and hand. Your spirit represents what God blew into Adam. Your hands represent your soul, your work, and your mind. Also, you need all three. And they need to work in concert. Amen? So those two things get people attention. And so they asked Moses to pray. And what he did, he prayed. And the Lord said unto Moses, he gave them a solution. He gave Moses a solution. Because even if you, a person of God, you know, that's how manipulation works also. People know that you're a man of God. They know you're Christian. So they know that the scripture says, see, even the devil and the terrorists know that turn the other cheek. They know that, right? So they said, he a Christian. Why don't you go to him and slap him? 
you're supposed to turn another cheek anyway, because they, they know it, right? So, you know, they, they get a little teary. Why don't you go ahead and do it? Right? They send a little imp to go slap you, right? <laughs> slap you. So, what you're going to do when somebody slap you? The Bible says turn another cheek. But I, you know what? I believe like Paul when he says, don't get it, don't think about what you're going to do, but God will give you what to do in that moment. He might give you the duck. He didn't say sit down, get beat up, you know, even a, a bug try to get away. You might try to kill an a ant or a roach. You think they're going to sit there? Yeah, come get me. No, no. So we should be the same way, you know. You don't got to stand for all that. So, and the Lord said to Moses, make this solution. God gives you a solution. Make for thee a fiery serpent and set it on a pole. And it shall come to pass that everyone that is bitten and looks upon it shall live. And Moses made a serpent of brass and put it on the pole. And it came to pass that the serpent had bit any man because of their mouth. I'm sorry. If serpent had bit any man when he beheld the serpent of brass, he lived. So this was a solution. Okay. We're going to make an image of a serpent and put it up on a pole. And if you look at that serpent, if you was bit, then you will live. So that, that sounds a little weird, but don't you know some people didn't look up? Only thing you had to do was look up. I don't, it doesn't take anything. That's, that's change. You know, we were raised a certain way. We don't do it this way. We Baptists. That's what I was in my our family. Baptist, bread, born, and all this. Change to where God is moving. You want to be. It's a song that says. It's a song that says, um, don't, "Don't do it without me." If you move in here, Paul Morton. I don't, I don't know the words of that song, but if the spirit is the same, he's saying, "Don't do it without me." If you're over here, God, that's where I want to be. If you're over here, God, that's where I want to be. So you want to be where God is. Some people won't change. Even because they were taught a certain way, they stay in that moment. And don't you know that the fluid inside a pregnant woman's womb is nourishment? But after she had a baby, she don't need it no more. Why do you say that in a jar? But that's what people do. It's the same thing. We need to make room for God to bless us in our lives. Amen. And get away that old stuff. Looking at that snake is like looking at your past failures. Looking at where you went wrong. Looking at your mistakes. That's the hardest thing for a lot of people to do. It takes courage to look at where you went wrong. And don't you know when you're driving, especially in the country, and you go turn down the wrong road, and then what you need to do is turn back around. But don't you know some people got so much pride, they keep driving and say, ah, I'm going to get it out, I'm going to make it out. But they're going so far deep in the country, it ain't no, it's no way to turn around. But the pride, the pride is there. They can't look up. They can't listen to live. They got to keep on driving. So they drove 100 miles 
out the way, wasted four hours, four hours, right? When the only thing they found out, they drove five minutes and figured they was going wrong. But they had to turn right back around. That's what God is saying, turn right back around. Don't keep driving. You don't got to go through all these things. Um, this man, baby mama, and all that. you don't got to go through all that to find out. Our pastor used to say from my, um, my former church that um, experience is a good teacher, but it's not the best teacher. And then he went on to say, you don't have to go to hell to believe that it's real. So just believe, look up. And people say, because that snake was a mortal enemy of we're not going to look up. We're not supposed to look at snakes. What? That's something that we don't like. Okay, dead. <laughs> All right, so, so confronting, confronting, especially it was it, when it's your fault, you bring things on yourself and try to blame somebody else. That's one of the, that's the I believe that's the number, that's even a bigger lie than evolution. That's an even a bigger lie than racism. Of a bigger lie than all those two is blame shifting. It's your fault. When it was your fault, to shift the blame on somebody else is, the, I think, the biggest lie in history. Because it was done in a garden. In the beginning, Adam, where art thou? The woman you gave me, what? Shifted Eve. Eve, what happened? That snake, Satan, what you do? I don't think Satan should the blame. Because he is in heaven. He's seen the glory of God. And like I said, can't rhyme, evil has no rhyme or reason. They just do stuff. Just to do it, just to throw you off. And he was a father from he is a liar from the beginning, and he's still a liar. Amen. So when you're traveling down the wrong road, don't keep expecting to arrive at your destination. You could, but it might take, you might lose a decade or two. You might lose some good relationships. You might lose the husband that God's supposed to give you, or the wife that God's supposed to give you. You might lose the job that God had planned for you. Don't you know when Tom Brady steps back in that hole, he just, he does his job and the receiver does his job. So he, in 3.2 seconds, he's supposed to be right there. Two inches above the 14-yard line. He's not watching them. He just said, just be there. So he got linebackers chasing him. He got guards chasing him. This man got tight end on him. But just be there. Right? Hype. One, two, three. He did his job. Right? Did he do his job? So God is saying, be it right there. On Wednesday at 6 o'clock, I want you to be right there in that seat. That's what God is saying. <laughs> 639. When God tells you to do something, right, he, 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 he speaks specifically. He's not a general. He speaks in specifics. You know, He speaks in colors, shapes. And you know it's God because if you belong to him, you know it's him. So why ignore him? Amen? So look at your mortal enemy. Know that he's a liar from the beginning. And we just thank God for this word today. We thank God and we just say, bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. We thank God for this day. We thank God for this message.
And we thank God for the people of God. And at this time, we're going to um, ask if there are any special prayer requests for anyone in the audience or um, even online. We're not, this is not live right now, but it will be online. We thank God if you have any prayer requests, because God lives in eternity. You can have a broadcast and talk about it and then get prayer requests a year later and God will honor that prayer because he's outside of time. Amen. And God, God looks on the heart and he doesn't think like a man thinks. Amen. So if you have a prayer request this time, we just ask you to just um, slip your hand up and we're going to um, do a prayer for a special prayer. If you have a prayer request, just slip your hand up and just going to acknowledge that, okay, I have a prayer request. I want God to do this in my life. This is an altar. This church was built around an altar. In the Old Testament, God gave the instructions for building an altar, which was a precursor, or a precursor, I don't like that word. It was a shadow of the church. And God said, when you build an altar, use use stones and don't don't make it fancy don't put um you know use um, tools or anything just use stones and don't use um steps it's a pulpit that's an altar and the altar is used to burn off everything that's not like god we heard that prayer before an altar is used to burn off anything that's not like god so, if you feel feel like you want to burn something off right now, this is the time. You can burn it off. If you have a prayer request, you can slip your hand up. If you want to come to the altar, we're going to say a prayer. We're not going to come down and lay hands on you, but we are going to pray that that thing get burnt off, whatever it is. If not, we're going to move forward. Amen. Thank God. So at this time, we have um, announcements, any, any observations? 